0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course
2: Thank you, Justine, and thanks for coming up from Costa Rica to be with me as I recuperate. And welcome, Rebecca.
3: Good evening, Susan.
2: How's life in the teepee?
3: Life in the teepee is good. I um, still have to be working and stuff, so I'm I uh, am not in the teepee all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but it's great up there. I put a nice big garden in front of it. And so that's been keeping me busy in the evenings. I've been putting lots of energy into that. And um, it's really peaceful up there. It's really beautiful. So I'm super thankful for the teepee. And I, I, am reali- I realized this past week that I have to move into like an actual house and move my office and do all of that. So I, I think I found the place this week and that's, um, also exciting and a little nerve-wracking, but to have to move and everything.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you need a good roof for your remedies.
3: Yeah, yeah, for my remedies yeah. and for, my, for myself <laughs> and for my kids, to, for them to be comfortable. You know, the teepee is like it's awesome and it's kind of, you know, like they like it up there, but they need, you know, their the comforts of their home. And now that we're going to be splitting all the time and everything, it's going to be, yeah. So.
2: Well, none of us need the comfort of, of our home. We want, to. yeah, <laughs> but that's a little different than actually needing it. We, you know, we we can get along pretty well without electricity and running water. We just have to like accommodate ourselves to the differences. Mm-hmm. That Justine and I lived without electricity and without running water, and uh, when she was quite young. And Brigitte Mars had her children and raised them without electricity or running water. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so we don't need it. We want it. Yeah. I would never argue that we want it. We, we like the comforts of indoor living.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's one of the
2: reasons I heard the goats, to get my butt out, you know?
3: Mm-hmm, yeah.
2: So you look at it and you go, oh, it doesn't look so pleasant out there. I'll stay in. Because once you go out, you know what? It is what it is, pleasant or not.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I love that daily rhythm of going out every 12 hours to milk the animals. Mm-hmm. it's just put my body in what it is. And for the years that Justine and I lived, very close to the bone, on $6,000 a year or less, I would go into town and work a shift at the health food store, and then I would come home In the evening, it would be that magical time, you know, when you come home and everything is getting quieter and you go out in your garden and you have this quiet time to be in the garden and to just kind of shake off all the towny stuff that's been going on and then to make your dinner and to just, you know, bring in from the garden what you want to cook for your dinner and to have time with your child and to, to enjoy the constant miracle of nature nature is always making sure that we know that we we are her special pet Mhm. Mhm. right michael was telling mm-hmm. me about sitting out and how a dragonfly came and hovered around him and then finally came and lit on his leg mm. it really is isn't that all it takes for us to know <gasps> nature loves me
3: yeah yeah
2: for
3: sure <laughs> yeah, lots of dragonflies they're back Yes, he back, days. and he
2: just, you know, sat eye to eye with the dragonfly for this endless amount of time, and uh, mm. you know, just felt that glow that you get from being in nature. There's no computer game, and I love computer games, and no book, and I love books. There's no jigsaw puzzle. I love jigsaw puzzles or crossword puzzles or any of those other diversions, movies, TV, whatever, that really can do for us quite what having a dragonfly land on our knee does.
3: Yeah, I've been needing lots of that lately just because the, the emotional kind of turmoil in the house is is really intense. So <laughs> nature has been my <laughs> my savior, my rest my respite, you know.
2: Yeah. We had great workshops yeah. this weekend, a great remedies workshop and a trees workshop and I tried not to pout too much that so it rained all over us. Mm. I always I always take it personally when it rains on my workshop. And somebody said, but you put them off by a week. The weather was trying to cooperate. Yeah. it just couldn't keep up with you. I said, all right, that's fair enough. That is mm-hmm. absolutely fair enough. You know, yeah. way back in the day, in the uh, 70s, in the mid-70s, a collective of women, including myself, opened the Woodstock Women's Center. And, um, wow, we were going to do everything at the Woodstock Women's Center. And I was uh, the press secretary for the Woodstock Women's Center. And so I would send out press releases. This is, of course, way before computers. I would send out press releases to all the local newspapers and radio stations and so on. And so when T. Corrine came to teach about her new coloring book, I honestly, Rebecca, I honestly did not think twice about sending a press release out to all of these places saying that T. Corrine was coming to speak about her C-U-N-T coloring book.
4: Hmm.
2: And you can imagine the furor that this caused. Well, tonight, we are going to talk to a woman who doesn't use the word C-U-N-T. She uses the word P-U-S-S-Y. Hmm. Hmm. Jenny mm. Brackett, sexuality and empowerment coach, will be with us, and she wants to help you connect with your P-U-S-S-Y, also known as C-U-N-T. Now, Rebecca, have you heard of an energy called Kundalini? Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, most people have. I bet most of the listeners have heard of Kundalini. <laughs> you know, when we um make letters for the sounds that we're making with our mouth, sometimes there's more than one letter that can actually make that sound. And that's certainly true of the C and the K, isn't it? Mhm. So you might have church with the C, but Kirk with a K. The, the man who mows the lawn has decided this is the best time to mow the lawn. We're doing our best to close the windows and the doors to cut down on the sound, but, but it's kind of loud out there. We apologize. Um, he will be done in a short bit of time. He also, I see, likes the gloaming, the this wonderful time uh, in between the light and the dark. So Mm -hmm. kundalini could be spelled with a C, couldn't it? If it was spelled C-U-N-D-A-L-I-N-I, we'd pronounce it just the same. We'd say kundalini, right? Yeah. And if you ask people how do you spell dong quai, some people spell it D-O-N-G and some people spell it T-A-N-G because the D and the T sound are also very, very close. Mm-hmm. So we could spell it C U N T A L I N I, couldn't we?
3: Mhm. I like that.
2: It would, and it would still be Kundalini.
3: Mhm.
2: Now, what I find somewhat confusing is that Kundalini, of course, lives where it lives in the P U S S Y. Mhm. And yet, you will find book after book saying that Kundalini lives at the base of the spine. Well, it only lives at the base of your spine if you don't have a C U N T. Mhm, Kuntalini to live in. Kuntalini is Shakti. Kuntalini is the essential female energy. Men can, with long practice and meditation, find their Kuntalini, but it is a given for women, and that's what Jenny is going to be helping us reconnect with that essential female sexual power energy. Stay with us. she'll be here at nine o'clock Eastern time. About two hours from now, wherever wherever you are, or take a break and come back. Be sure you are here for Jenny Braxton, Sexuality Empowerment Coach. Excellent. We made yeah. At the tree workshop, Good. we, of course, made some balls. It's not a tree workshop if we don't make the bryon balls. Mm. And uh, we also made elderflower champagne. I always mm-hmm. do my best to get elderflower champagne on the menu for some class toward the end of June. And we just barely made it with the elderflowers, but we were able to get some pretty good elderflowers. And, of course, got to drink last year's elderflower champagne. And we put up a nice jar of pine needle vinegar, one of our all-time favorites. We called it domestic balsamic. And somebody asked, could you use any pine to make this vinegar? And I said... What you want to do is chew on those pine needles, and if it leaves a taste in your mouth that you like in your mouth, then you can make vinegar from it. And if it leaves a taste in your mouth like turpentine or paint thinner, then you probably don't want to make vinegar of it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a pine out there that you make vinegar from the needles of? I
3: don't. Well, I mean, yeah, Doug fir is a pine, Douglas fir, you
2: know. Yeah, big tall
3: trees, tree. and so that's pearl what I make vinegar.
2: It's mild enough yeah. to make a needle vinegar from.
3: There are some like black pines, and that I think would probably work, but I I haven't experimented. I love Doug for like oxymol and uh, the vinegar, though that's my favorite.
2: Ooh, 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 ooh. And um, Marie Summerwood made me a pinion pine needle vinegar.
3: Ooh, yeah, I I haven't used that much just because it's not doesn't grow by me, right. but I love the smell of that.
4: Mm hmm. The
3: pinion uh,
2: pine. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. Special.
3: Yeah. Um, we, do have any,
2: we have anybody who we have, has a question
3: tonight? I wanted to mention my Etsy store because somebody said that they had a hard time finding it, and so I just wanted to mention the um, the site. And it's uh, www.etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness. So people can find that. And um, I'm continuously posting new stuff on there, some unique items and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if you have a question for Susan, please press 1 to speak with her. I see we have lots of callers, but just two people with their hands raised. And we'll go to the first caller in the 202 area code. Hello?
2: Hi.
5: Hi, Susan. This is Cynthia, and I had um, some questions that I was wanting to get your opinions on. Um, I have a tremor in my hand that I've had for, it's been increasing in the last few years, and I wondered what your thoughts might be of what might be helpful for that.
2: Do you think that this is an early symptom of Parkinson's?
5: I'm concerned about that. I've gone to see a neurologist a few times, and what he said was um, and that you can't know yet if, if it's Parkinson's or not, that that's something that develops over time that you can see. He also wanted me to get a brain MRI, but I have not wanted to go into, uh, with COVID as it is, I have not wanted to, to go into any offices, at this
2: point, certainly makes sense. That's a decision that a great many people are making. So I have uh, my copy of Awesome, Abundantly Well, and I'm going to look up PQR Parkinson's 225576103104114117154 and 221. So it sounds like we have a few options. I'm going to go backwards. okay okay, so we have two twenty one um ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. and I'm not sure uh that this is useful for us, and then we're gonna to go to one fifty four Moxibustion and acupuncture.
5: Uh, What was the first thing that you said?
2: Moxibustion. Moxibustion, like combustion, is to burn. Moxa is Artemisia chinensis. You can use the American Artemisia, Artemisia vulgaris. This is a technique that, of course, predates acupuncture. People think of acupuncture as being some ancient Chinese technique, but if we really think about it, we understand that acupuncture is dependent on um, having steel needles. And human beings have not been able to make fine steel needles for thousands of years, hardly even for hundreds of years. As a matter of fact, one of the the big things during the uh, Revolutionary War was, uh, are we going to use the metal we have To make bullets, are we going to use it to make needles? And needles are in very short supply. So the ability to make, and those were pretty thick needles, pretty clumsy needles, the ability to make an acupuncture needle really is quite new. Acupuncture has actually only been in use since the Cultural Revolution in China, since the 60s. And the techniques preceding that are moxibustion and cupping which is exactly the same system of, um, you know, Tsubo's points on energy lines on the body. So moxibustion is the older and more tonifying technique. And uh, you can go to an acupuncturist. Um, Chinese studies have shown very strong benefit with um, the relief of essential tremor and Parkinson's with acupuncture or moxibustion.
5: I, I did have a series of acupuncture um, specifically with this being one of the issues that the acupuncturist was working on, but it didn't seem to, it didn't seem to um, change it, And it, it, it really it scares me for one thing, and it bothers me
4: also.
2: I absolutely hear that. You, you might, because you had that feeling that it might help. you might want to investigate moxibustion. It's a, you could do it yourself at home. You don't have to have a practitioner do it. And, of course, oh. with, with the Internet, you just look up what, what points you want. And the Moxibustion, the way that I prefer to do Moxibustion is that I buy a moxa stick, and it kind of looks like a, a long, skinny cigar. And you light one end of it. Before you light it, make sure you have a way to put it out, a little bowl of sand or something like that. It's very hard to get it to stop burning. Yeah, the you...
5: acupuncturist did do it in my belly button, moxa. I forgot see, about that.
2: There you go. Right with a stick.
5: With a stick, yes.
2: Yeah. So you can get those sticks yourself, and hmm. you can look up points and you know see what help happens. Drumming has been shown to relieve the tremors of Parkinson's to increase muscle responsiveness and multiple sclerosis to relieve developmental disability, Hmm. in addition to a whole bunch of other things. I kind of just went through there and picked out the things. So you might want to think about, especially because it's a tremor in your hand, Getting a drum or drumming with a group,
5: specifically drumming with that hand.
2: Specifically drumming with that hand. Of course, both hands is good, but yes, using that okay. hand. Right. Okay. Tai Chi has shown a reduction in the tremors of Parkinson's.
5: Interesting. I don't know that I have Parkinson's, but he called it the neurologist called it an essential tremor, but.
2: You know, exactly, I, and, I, and I'm not differentiating here. Okay, because it okay. really doesn't matter because because what you're dealing with is the same thing whether you have Parkinson's or not, right? Uh, so in other, in other words, they're not going to study a a, a a mild condition. They're not going to do a study of Tai Chi and tremor, but they would do a study of Tai Chi and Parkinson's. Okay. So I think we can content well, ourselves with that. You know, it's thank not, you like,
4: so not like you're over treating
2: yourself, too. right? It's not like we're taking some All dangerous right. drug.
4: Um, I have
5: other questions, too, but I don't want to be greedy. Um, and I know that there are other people who have many questions to ask you. So I will call in another time to ask my other questions. And I thank you very, well, very much.
2: Well, I, I also want to say that both black tea and green tea normalize the amount of dopamine in the brain, cutting down on tremors.
5: But see, that's interesting. I, don't, I haven't um, been drinking anything with caffeine for um, many, many years. So I don't, I don't drink green tea or black tea.
2: Well, those who drink coffee have 40% less Parkinson's.
5: Oh, my goodness.
1: You
2: might want to consider drinking some green tea or some black tea, maybe in the morning so it doesn't disturb your sleep. This is a powerful connection between the mild amount of caffeine in these beverages, and the reduction of Parkinson's and tremors.
5: Wow. Let me ask you also something that is also related to Parkinson's, and that is that I have night terrors where I, unbeknownst to me, um, s- scream in the middle of the night, um, which I, I've, I've had a... Um, sleep Doctor treat me for, um, but I'm taking a uh, clonopin at night, a half of a clonopin at night, which takes away the screaming. I still talk in my sleep. Do you have any thoughts about that?
2: I would never drug myself for normal behavior.
5: Screaming in your sleep, I don't think is normal behavior, is it?
2: Sure, it is. You're a woman.
5: Uh, Okay, but I I terrify my family when I scream.
2: I completely understand that. Maybe you need to buy them earplugs. Okay.
4: Or
2: uh, maybe you need to get angry at what's done to women because we only scream in terror when we're not angry enough. Hmm and especially if we have to do it when we're asleep so that we're trying to hide it even from ourselves.
5: Yeah, I don't even know when I'm doing
2: that. I completely understand. When I room with Georgiana Budapest, she complains to me. She says, you know that you talk in your sleep? I said, yes. She said, do you know you laugh in your sleep? I said, yes. She said, do you know you have wonderful orgasms while you're asleep? I said, yes. <laughs> I would not ever take a drug to make myself stop doing these things. But I don't have to scream in my, in my sleep because I'm an angry woman. Hmm.
5: I will think about everything that you're saying.
2: All right. Thank you, and Thank you. you,
5: Thank you for your wisdom.
2: You are so welcome. The only other uh, last thing, all the way back to page 21, is fasting. Uh, l- limited fasting has been shown to reduce tremor. And those and, are and all I, stuff, those are yeah, all the I mean. citations here from Abundantly Well that I was able to look up for you. Okay. All righty. Okay. Thanks, for I will your look question.
3: that up. Thank you. Thank you very,
2: very Green. much. Bye bye. Green blessings. Good night. Good
3: night. The next caller is coming from the eight one nine area code.
2: <laughs> Hello, Susan? Hi. Hi, it's Monique
0: calling from Val Valmoring.
2: I thought it sounded like Monique. I thought cheapest woman sounds just like Monique. Uh.
0: It is so lovely to hear your voice, so vibrant and alive. I'm so, so, so happy to hear your journey since that night in the hospital when you were doing your call up to today. How how rich your voice is sounding.
2: So oh, how good. wonderful. Thank you for all of your wonderful letters and gifts and beautiful things that your children have, have made. I always <laughs> um, I anticipate uh, opening something. With a, you, you're the return address of Monique Vauxhall. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm happy to hear that it brings you joy. Good. <laughs> um, Susan, I'm calling tonight because um, I went, I went earlier, to be earlier today for a massage. Shots. And uh, the, this lovely woman Jesse, who was massaging me was saying, where's the lights in your legs? where is the life and she brought me back to my uh, i've been doing chen style tai chi for or over 15 years and my teacher's telling me constantly draw in that energy you need to get it from the earth have it spiral up your legs so that you have pow in your actions and uh I, I i'm wondering if you have any tips I, I i'm starting to get a little concerned that I can't feel it. I feel it in my feet when I draw it in, but then it blocks right around my ankles, and I can't draw anything up.
2: Wow. So, you know, when we talk about, like, undercutting somebody, we say we cut them off at the ankles, don't we? Yeah. That's like a figure of speech, to be cut off at the ankles so that you still have your feet. And you can still stand, but you can't actually draw that earth energy up. Yeah. So your quest now is, who or what is cutting you off at the ankles? Ooh. What have you internalized? What belief are you carrying that makes it safer for you to be cut off at the ankles?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the things that happens when the energy from the earth goes past the ankles. And up the calves and tethys and into the thighs, is it winds up in the kundalini? Yeah. And that we are told is very dangerous.
4: Hmm.
2: Women are told all of their lives that if they have energy in their pussy, they're gonna they're gonna get what they deserve. mm <laughs> So rape for a crime of passion instead of a crime of violence. It's like saying, man, if you build if you build muscles, you're going to get shot because you deserve it. Yeah. Right. It's just so fallacious, and yet it's so culturally pervasive that most women, at some level, believe it. Now yeah. you know you've you've done the vagina monologues up there. Yeah, several times several times so you know how pervasive this belief is that it's just not safe to let the energy from the earth travel all the way up into your sexual organs. Mm -hmm. As a woman, you're perfectly capable of having an orgasm just by putting your feet on the earth. Yeah. And that's incredibly threatening to men.
0: Well, that's definitely, when, when, she, when I was being massaged today, the image that was coming to me was that I was seeing almost like a wonder woman standing in her legs and her power and how I was standing beside myself, like not entering that, those, those, that, that, that exciting wonder woman, anything's possible. Like there's always this little fear or something panicking that, 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 that I'm afraid to step into.
2: And rightly so. And rightly so. Women are more anxious than men. Is that because we're we're made of fluffier stuff? No. It's because we have a lot more to be anxious about. Come on. Yeah. So you have to build that internal jing. Right? Tai Chi is about moving chi.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's also used to build jing. And jing is sometimes called ancestral energy. Qi is not really very storable, right? We breathe in Qi, we breathe out Qi, right? We move, we're moving Qi, right? Yeah. So Qi is a movable energy, but Jing is more storable energy.
0: And Jing, is that J-I-N-G?
2: J-I-N-G, Jing.
0: Okay.
2: And Sandra nourishes Jing, as does Tai Chi and Qigong. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I was taught was to pick a bone, any bone you want in your body.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And when you think of it, which might be during meditation or when you're doing Qigong or or Tai Chi, that Mm -hmm. as you breathe out each time, a small amount of Qi is stored in the marrow of that bone to be turned into Jing. Oh, Um, I love it. You know, and it's, it's you know, it says it takes millions of repetitions. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. We breathe millions of times.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of doing it uh, empty if I'm not, you know, I'm out there practicing every morning. I have time to breathe in those bones. <laughs>
4: A uh, bone. It?
2: One bone. A
0: bone. One
2: bone. Choose one bone. You're building it. Okay. So that it's okay. very focused and very concentrated. It's said that you receive jing from your ancestors and that it's stored in the kidney. We would, as Americans, we'd probably say it was stored in the adrenals. Mm -hmm. And that the idea is to live off qi, that you get qi from breathing well, you get qi from walking barefoot on the earth, you get qi from your food. And that's that's what you spend. That's your spending money. And the jing is available when there's a big stress. When I'm laying in the hospital with a tube down my throat, and they won't let me have anything but ice, and they're feeding me, what, saline sh- solution and glucose, and I'm getting, like, salt and sugar and water. I'm living on gene. Yeah,
0: yeah. You're going in
2: that, thats
0: okay, into that bank.
2: I have to go to the bank, exactly, yeah. because they're not yeah. allowing me to get much chi because I'm not allowed to. I've got this bad word, bad word IV pole I have to carry everywhere with me. I'm on the 15th floor. I'm sure not putting my naked feet on the earth, not in Manhattan.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right.
2: And okay, I'm breathing, but the window doesn't come open. Yeah. So, I, you know, it, to the best of my ability, I'm picking up some chi, but not much.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: it's said that when you use up all your jing is when you die.
4: Yeah. Okay.
2: So it's wonderful that we can indeed nourish it with Shisandra and build it with our breath, with our focus, as mm-hmm. we're moving chi through our body.
0: Oh. I think I'm going to go do my practice right after this call.
2: Mm. <laughs> so good to me. <laughs> wow, that's great. Uh, so, uh, you know, and uh, get a picture of Wonder Woman. Stick her up for her. You can see her all the time. Those strong legs, those great thighs, huh? Oh,
0: uh, yeah. The great
1: outfit,
2: too. Great outfit. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, she was a feminist ploy. She was created by women to make girls strong. It yep. wasn't just a an happy accident. Yeah. Wonder Woman was given to us by Women of Power.
0: Yep.
2: yep. Well, I will I will
0: definitely hang up that picture and focus in on a bone, and I, I thank you so much, Susan. I really, really appreciate that.
2: You are welcome, Monique. I'm so happy you're in my life. Love you lots.
0: Love you lots, too, and thank you. Have a lovely evening.
2: Green blessings. Good night.
0: Green blessings.
3: The next caller is coming from the 313 area code. Hello.
1: Hi.
6: First-time caller. Susan, this is Zara.
2: Uh, Hi, Zara. I was going to say, I recognize everybody's voice tonight. What's with me? (laughs) It's because I do recognize everybody's voice. I I was just once again looking at the little booklet art project that you sent me, Zara getting ready to write you and extol you and praise you for your artistic ability and for being such a creative and delicious student. Thank you so much for being in my life.
6: Oh, wow. Thank you, Susan. (laughs) And uh, it was really funny. You were talking with Monique about how you were saying that, Women can have orgasms just by putting their feet on the earth, and that happened to me the other day while I was picking Hypericum flowers. It was wild, delightful.
2: If anyone deserves it, it's you, sir. <laughs>
6: Thank you. Um,
2: so that's that's right. keep that joy going. You know what is nature on about? What's what's the hypericum doing out there? The hypericum is having <laughs> orgasms, right?
4: yeah,
2: It's going. Bees come to me. Come to me. Come on, pollinate. Let's go, baby, baby. I mean, <laughs> out there in nature, it's just all about sex and orgasm.
6: Exactly. I realized that I was in a sexual relationship with a plant, and then I orgasm. <laughs>
2: And Hyperica was grinning. Yes. <laughs> so, the,
6: the reason why I called tonight is
2: because of. Because women really like to... are like that with each other. They're hot. I can make you come before you can make me come. Ha ha ha. And so, yeah. you realized.
6: Okay, so I, I I really wanted to hear a story about Grandmother Twyla.
2: Grandmother Twyla wanted her mother to teach her the rainbow path of peace. And her mother kept sending her to other people to teach her. And this was very frustrating Mm. to Twyla. She wasn't exactly sure how to emotionally cope with this. As, you know, any daughter would, you know. Perhaps feelings of inadequacy came up. She doesn't think I'm worthy of it. You know, yes. perhaps feelings of, um, gosh, maybe she thinks I'm stupid. You know, it, it, you could, like, kind of beat yourself up around something like that, especially if you're yep. not being given any explanation, just, oh, you want to learn about the rainbow. Go over there to, you know, Aunt So-and-so or Uncle So-and-so. and Even sent her off to live with people right, where mm. she got a great many lessons. But she said that it was not until her mother was literally on her deathbed that she said to Twyla, okay, I'll teach you about the Rainbow Path of Peace. Uh... Well, you know, and this, you know, this was like, she had almost given up. Uh She had just in some way, you know, said, okay. I'm going to learn what I'm going to learn, and for some reason it's not going to be transmitted directly from my mom. It's going to be transmitted in these other ways. And so her mom said, Twyla, look at the clock. And it wasn't a digital clock. It was an analog clock with hands. And she said, the clock is a medicine wheel. And it is divided into 12 equal portions. Each one of those portions represents a part of your life. And each one of those portions is a particular step on the rainbow path of peace. Um. Now, I no longer have them memorized. So I'm going to paraphrase, you know. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it, rather than use the word peace, grandmother used the word truth. Find the truth. Know the truth. Speak the truth. Live the truth. Be the truth. Hear the truth. And again, I'm um, paraphrasing. I'm not saying that that's exactly what it is. Yeah. White Feather. White Feather could tell you. I'm sure she still has that memorized. And so each, each of these 12 divisions is a stepping stone on the rainbow path of peace. And it gets denser and denser with knowledge as all medicine wheels do. Yeah. As you associate more and more things with it. And most of the teachings that I received from Grandmother Twila focused around this 12-part medicine wheel. Oh. So... When I look at an analog clock, it tells the time, but it also tells me so much more.
6: Yeah! Wow, wow, that you can make a representation that other people just see as one thing, and it changes your whole entire life every time you look at it. Right. Thank you. Thank you for the story. I really you are
2: welcome. <laughs> uh, when, we, um, when we had Rainbow Weaver with us, we miss her, a member of the Turtle Clan, and we oh, did our beaded uh, power shields. Now we paint our power shields. This is that, uh, gorgeous. Just wonderful. And actually... When all is said and done, much easier for most women than sitting there beating. The beating thing, uh-huh. you know, was was all a little bit tedious with those seed beads, and there were stray needles here and there, which I never liked finding with my bare feet. So I never mm-hmm. mind finding the paintbrushes or a little wet paint. That's all always just fine with my bare feet, but those needles mm-hmm. were ouchy. Right. <laughs> and um, oh. we would do um, the colors of the rainbow path piece, and they oh. have. a Sequence in which they ask you questions, and you answer those questions with a color, and those colors then become your personal power shield. You have an entering color, you have a centering color, you have a protecting color, you have a nourishing color, and so on.
6: Mm, I really like that.
2: It was a wonderful, wonderful way to do it. And White Feather, of course, still teaches, he or she t- teaches Seven Directions Movement Meditation with the Green Goddess Apprentices. And uh, she teaches the Rainbow Path of Peace, but we no longer beat our shields now. We paint shields and we, we do it in a different way because we're working with mandalas and uh, we've made it um, a little easier to comprehend what we mean by a power shield because we found that women were having a somewhat difficult time with that because they're so used to thinking of shields as um, weapons of war, or things that men use when they're fighting each other. And that's mm-hmm. a not at all what we mean by a personal power shield. Uh, your personal power shield is like a basket in which you gather your power. Mhm. Uh-huh. And so by using the mandala, um, we can help women focus in on the center of their being and where they wanna where they want to put their grandmother spider. Yeah.
6: Okay, wow. Well, do you still have spots left in the Green Goddess Week? You're still doing the...
2: the... We are still doing the Green Goddess Apprentice Week, and there is one spot that opened up today from one woman who decided that it would be better for her to come next year.
6: Oh, well, you might have to sign me up.
2: Well, get in touch with me and let me know, Zara.
6: Okay, great.
2: All righty. Love you lots. Thanks for your call. Good
6: night. Thank you. Good night.
3: The next caller is from
7: the 813 area code. Hi, Susan. This is Hi. Hi. Okay, I don't have a question. I just want to lavish you with praise and to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I went back through the old podcast, and um, I listened to your May 26th podcast, yes. and where you explained and when you were telling us how you reclaimed yourself, you know, like there, it was just like me, you know, my, my, when they took my cancer out, the margins were clear. They took all the lymph lymph nodes that were, they took all the lymph nodes out. Everything is gone clear. But, and you reclaimed yourself. You said, I'm going to, you know, be me. I'm going to, you know, move forward. And, and it's almost been a year for me and I hadn't been able to do that by hearing you say that I got the courage I'm like, you know what? I'm really freaking sick and tired of this trauma that I need to reclaim myself and I'm going to do it now. So, and this is the plug. If you guys haven't purchased Abundantly Well, you need to do so because when you're done with the steps, you have to go back to zero. And that's what I did. And so I read zero, you know, step 0, and then I went to 1 and it was a uh, breathing technique, the, the alternative, it, something resonated with me and I've been having really bad anxiety because my scans are coming up actually tomorrow to see if there's any tissue left over. And, um, I was having this, this go. Massive panic. At, huh? Don't go. Oh no. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I made my. Don't go. Don't okay. go. Why okay. do you need a
2: scan? What would you do, do if there was ultrasound. something on the scan? I don't know. Don't go. Don't have a scan.
7: Scans cause okay. cancer. Don't go. It's an ultrasound. An ultrasound. Sorry, I made a mistake. Okay, all right. It's not an actual it's an scan. It's ultrasound. Nah. All right. Nah. In the in the next, they want me to do a scan in in November. But look at what's said, happening no. to you? I'm, I'm not going to it. do it.
2: Okay, but what mm-hmm. you said was you were anxious about it.
7: Oh yeah, but then. So it, having it, a panic it's attack. an emotional
2: toil, and then we it have is. to wait for the results, which takes a huge emotional toil. And I so did. what I always say is don't go. they got clear margins. There's no lymph node involved, but yep. that's it. You're done. No more yep. tests.
7: Oh, there was. No more I tests. all the lymph nodes out. But you know what? But, no more you know, tests. This, this you don't need any more tests. That's no it. tests. Okay. No. But I went outside. I threw my shoes off. I sat down on a patch of violet between a maple tree and an apple tree. And I did the alternate nostril breathing, and it was like a tranq dart. (laughs) I have never, ever been this calm
8: in over the
7: year that I've been doing this. And I would never have learned that technique if I had not read, I've gotten your book and read that.
2: Oh, wow. That's fabulous. I've tried
7: everything. You've given me the tools where I can reclaim myself. And maybe one day, one day, throw on the healing cloak and help people that are, you know, the women that come after me.
2: Absolutely. You will.
7: Thank you. I just, it's a plug. Get the book, guys. So, thank you. All right. Give it a go. I wish you help. Okay. Thank
2: you so much. (laughs) So very much. Before we go on to the next caller, I want to read to you um, a project report from one of my Correspondence course students. Uh, I have not asked her permission, so I'm not going to say what her name is. Uh, But if she recognizes it and she wants to let me say what her name is, then I will certainly say it next week. And if she wants to remain anonymous, then that's fine, too. This is um, Project... 22 in the spirit and practice of the wise woman tradition correspondence course, and this is her report on it. Break and enter. Both of my boys were delivered by c section, complete with blood transfusions and uterine balloons to stop my hemorrhages. It was long ago, but I am still graced by the notion that my boys have more angels than I could possibly imagine at their births because the spirit beings had to come and deal with the levels of complication. I desperately needed them to be there. After the C-sections, I didn't have much to do with break and enter until this past year. And um, this past year certainly was a break and enter year, and so I am now really prepared to write about this project. My daily existence has become a real-life laboratory for this course, with this project being no exception. I began the year with a labral tear, and faced a labral repair as the year went on. This is certainly a break-and-enter procedure with a fairly intense physical breakage aspect to it. To perform the repair, the leg has to be put in traction and pulled out of joint to access the labrum. This makes the healing journey cumbersome. The experience was intense on my body and mentally taxing, but energetically it felt less invasive than the surgeries that were about to come. What surgery The breast excisional biopsy, a procedure that was deemed required as a result of odd-looking calcifications behind my left nipple spotted on a mammogram. As I connect with my body, I see it is beautiful, shiny, healthy, and vital, and yet the doctors see a suspicious piece of tissue up to no good. Their suspicions direct my mind toward a dark and conniving reality, a discord between my inner and outer worlds, pitting my own sense of connection and well-being against the doctor's view that I am fragile and there are potentially deadly and dangerous forces conspiring to do me harm. As the days led up to the procedure, I found myself working so hard to to connect deeply with my faith in myself, and and yet, yet that place just came crashing down again and again. It was shattered, in fact, by friends and acquaintances who kept approaching me with their worries and fears. I wasn't so worried or feared, but they kept feeding me their worries and fears. I wanted to hold my story close. And I grew more and more reticent to share what was going on with anybody else. I desperately wanted my own story. I did not want to be tossed about in the sea of other people's emotions, their worries, and their fears. If my story was inadvertently shared with the community, I would find myself getting angry at the people who would approach me with concern. In fact, I would encase myself in a beautiful healing world of spirit friends and butterflies, hopeful possibilities, and then this happy bubble would be exploded around me by a seemingly benign phone call or text, inevitably breaking through the window of my happy world and bringing dark clouds to come back in around me. And ironically, these friends believed they were reaching out in kindness, but their concern felt invasive and abrupt to me. As a healer of sorts, this experience taught me how important it is for me to be sensitive to the way I approach people. It taught me that it is critical that I be perceptive of the stories others are holding and to support their story and encourage the story that they are writing for themselves and not to bring my own emotions to it. I feel strongly that worry and concern has very little benefit. In fact, it harmed me more than any good it could have possibly done. The best thing I think we can do for one another is to hold a vision of health and well-being if another person is unable to do that for themselves or to add to it if they are doing it. The human perspective is so narrow. It's so riddled with stories and belief systems which limit the possibility of magic in the world around us. I was really disheartened when I figured out that various friends of mine were thriving on the notion that I would be down and out and thus able to spend more time with them. It made me see that as humans, we not only see the world through our own stories and our distorted lenses, but we long for outcomes that serve us and validate our realities. I certainly recognize that this was not intentional on their part, and yet it is so ingrained that most of them were just totally unaware of what they were doing, and it felt terrible to me. I've come to realize that the mark of a good healer is one who brings openness and expansiveness, and can see without distortion. Well, my second inter procedure this year is much less physically invasive, but it has rendered a bigger blow on my psyche and my energy. After negotiating this world, I feel torn, exhausted, depleted, and listless on so many levels of my being. What? Yes. That little needle biopsy showed that I had Ductal carcinoma in situ, a non-invasive stage zero breast cancer. Well, it was fully removed in the second surgery, and it continues to be monitored. But now I have to try to write a story that includes this in a world that sees this full of fear. Can I imagine these breakages as a way to wholeness? Well, I don't know. My journey with ductal carcinoma in situ has brought me closer to my husband, who has embraced my humanness with a renewed love. He's the one who's been most present with me throughout this journey, and that, in and of itself, makes me feel seen and understood in the whole. My two boys and Mike and I have had to pull together into one cohesive unit, working unitedly for our collective well-being. There's more consideration of our individual needs and wants, as well as respectful recognition of our limitations. Yes, life is an imperfect dance and we trip and we fumble over each other at times, but we are together and that is more nourishing and wholeing. This experience has also brought people into my life that I would otherwise never have known and they have made my life richer and more whole. The breakages that I've experienced this year have deepened my sense of compassion for the journey of life and the suffering we all experience. I found myself able to relate to others much more readily and with a noticeably greater depth and understanding. In journeying alone into the deep, dark places of my humanness, I am more able to hold space for others as they take that journey too. This is surely a broader and more complete way of experiencing the world. So yes, deep medicine has made me more whole. And yet... And yet, despite all of this, some of the breaks are incredibly difficult to heal. I'm certain, I am so certain that parts of myself are now split off. The stress of the moment split them off and they now dwell in some other dimension. I am increasingly convinced that the old grumps that we all know are those who have gone through too many breakages, they've lost too many of their soul pieces, and they are so broken that they are barely a fragment of their former self. And so in this vein, I actively call to my soul parts. I encourage them to return it's not so easy, Susan, to coax them back. They are unusually slow. They are so stubborn. They are unwilling to jump back into life in this body, wary of what else may await them, what I may spring on them. And yet, some parts are returning, parts that departed ages ago during other life events. them gathering around me they are watching they are waiting they are lingering yes greater wholeness is possibility and that that brings me back full circle to the project at hand break and enter is a tricky thing in our society there are more break and enter procedures than at any other time in history and yet we for the most part are not given the skills to protect ourselves or heal ourselves from the soul-shattering effects of these interventions. I have been extremely fortunate in this regard with wonderful protectors and spirit allies. But even for me, it seemed like when things went wrong and redeemed impossible, my protectors came in and redirected it and guided the process. An example, the needle localization, which was required during my two breast surgeries to mark the calcifications, I was told that these localization needles would be impossible to put in, given the location which was right behind my nipple. This, the doctor said, would make successful surgery highly unlikely. Well, I have worked with Pine for many years, and Pine has needles. So several weeks before the procedure, Pine came to me in a spontaneous vision, and she said she would guide the process. When the day came, I called to Pine, and I said, I need your assistance, Pine. And the doctor got the needle in successfully, not once but twice, and told me outright, it was a miracle. Thank you, Pine. Having such a wonderful friend and champion made this procedure as easy as it possibly could be. I also called my spirit allies before each surgery, and I could see the angels around the doctors and nurses. We were all embraced, all of my quirks, all of my problems, everything that was going on was given genuine love and genuine care. Sometimes someone with unsettling energy would appear on my team, and yet those angels would make sure that they just got redirected to another patient or another task. In fact, with few exceptions, most of the parts that are coming back to me now come from breakage that came from early on in the process and those outsiders I talked about earlier, not from my inner core of practitioners and caregivers. I want to end by saying, That break and enter must be undertaken with great care and rapt attention. Do not take these procedures lightly. Is your practitioner ensuring that they are carrying the weight of the break and enter responsibility with integrity and care? Are you, as a human being, understanding where your individual boundaries lie? Can you own your boundaries with pride and not be ashamed of them? Now, more than ever, I think we all need the help of shamanic skills if we are to remain whole and to find our wholeness. The further we delve into the world of modern deep medicine, the greater the need for the own skills which return us to wholeness. Any teacher would be thrilled to have this woman as a student.
3: Yes, yeah. what a great letter.
2: It's one of six project reports she turned in, and each one is is that exquisite. Mhm. Mhm. I read I read to the apprentices this morning. She the one she did on nourishing herbal infusions, and her individual relationships with each of those herbs, and it's stunning, just as stunning as what I read to you.
4: Mm.
3: Maybe
2: she'll write a book. Wouldn't that <laughs> that be glorious? I hope so. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Okay, Uh, Okay. more questions?
3: Yes, next caller is coming from the 202 area code. Hi, Susan.
1: Hi.
9: Hello? Hi, I'm so glad to hear your voice. That was such a gorgeous letter. Thank you so much for sharing.
2: You're welcome. Yeah, that was her Um, report on Project 22. Oh,
9: wow. Wow. Um, I have some questions regarding my monthly hormonal journey. Um, Every month, usually a week before I bleed, my face um, breaks out with some painful cystic acne, usually in the same places every month, and I tend to develop one or two canker sores inside of my mouth, and my, um, my breasts become very sore and swollen, usually right around ovulation until I bleed. And then the moment I start bleeding, I start to experience intense cramping that um, only ibuprofen has relieved in the past. And I would love your ideas.
2: Well, hooray for ibuprofen. So what's going on here? The first half of the menstrual cycle is the easy half in a way. Mm -hmm. Very little is going on hormonally in our bodies. When we get to ovulation, suddenly... There's a whole hormonal symphony going on. Ovulation itself triggers the pineal and the pituitary glands to trigger a whole cascade of different emotions, of different hormones that start to be made to allow the follicle to grow, follicle stimulating hormone, to uh, help with the possible fertilizing of that, as in luteinizing hormone, progesterone, pro-4 gestation, the hormone of gestation, suddenly gets higher and higher in the body and more estrogens are made. Remember, human women make 30 different kinds of estrogen. We make mm-hmm. that very poisonous one, estradiol, right at ovulation, and that kicks the whole thing into gear. But as we continue on in those two weeks we are making more of those other estrogens as well even though we start we make estradiol for only a day or two because it's so poisonous Mm. so what's what's going on with the hormones well we have a liver and it's interesting that in many language uh, the word is a cognate for being alive a liver right we are living so we have a liver and the liver Basically, looks at everything in the blood. The liver is a flow-through organ. It's not a filter or a trap, as some people claim. Everything flows through the liver. In fact, every bit of circulating blood in your body goes through your liver every single hour. And the liver is tremendously regenerative. Most people create cell-by-cell cell, cell a brand-new liver every four to six weeks. mm. Even a teaspoonful of normal liver tissue can give rise to an entire new liver. Wow. So the blood is going through the liver, and the liver says, "Mm, I like you. You can stay. Or the liver says, I don't like you. You're going to the kidneys, and you're getting pissed out. Or the liver says, you are very complicated. We, We must have a talk. I'm putting a little necklace on you, and you have to come back. So basically the liver is saying yes, no, or come again. And the things that the liver is saying come again to are called second-pass things. They literally have to come back to the liver a second time, and the liver then says, you're wearing a necklace, come over here. We have to have a talk. And these are chemicals, environmental chemicals, chemicals from um, natural chemicals, from plants. These are hormones. Did you ever, as a child, play with tinker toys?
9: Excuse me, with what kind of toys?
2: Tinker toys. I don't know. Tinker toys are a set of wooden discs and rods. And the discs are about the size of a circle you would make by putting your finger and thumb together. And they're about as thick as an English muffin, and they have holes in the side and a hole through the center. And then you have sticks of varying colors and lengths, and you put them yes, together. So. Did you did you play with those? Yeah. Yeah. And you put them together to make various fanciful things, or you know, animals, or whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. So hormones are a tinker toy set. You can make any hormone you want with your Tinker Toys. The center, that round part, is cholesterol. It's at the center of the hormone. And what hormone you are making has to do with how many sticks of what colors you put in there and what else you attach to it, which is why we can have 30 different estrogens, There's
4: Mm -hmm. just
2: slight variations on each other. Okay, so we have the first half of the period, things are tootling along, no problem, no problem. Now suddenly we come to ovulation and wham, there's a hormone, wham, there's a hormone, wham, there's a hormone. And those hormones are second pass. So that means they have to come back to the liver. And the liver has to take the tinker toys apart and put them back into circulation so the next hormone can be made. And hormones are specialized fats which deliver messages. So let's imagine that for some reason your liver is not up to the job. And when these second past things come, the liver says, oh, golly, I, am just, uh, I have too much to do. I, yeah, come back again. I can't deal with you right now. So now what's happening is that your body is trying more and more desperately to make hormones from fewer and fewer tinker toy parts because the parts aren't being put back into circulation, and we have messengers that are saying, calm down, get excited. So we're getting very deeply mixed messages. It's no wonder we feel crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is especially true during menopause, when the levels of hormones that are made can be 60 to 70 times greater than any other time in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, what would you think would help?
4: I
9: have developed a relationship with both burdock root and dandelion root, but those two relationships have nourished me in many ways um,
5: i haven't have your liver
9: yeah i that's that's what I feel, but it hasn't um that hasn't shown in a decrease in pain with the cramping or with a decrease in the cystic acne but I, I feel it nonetheless
2: and you've had this relationship with burdock and dandelion for how long now
9: um with burdock root probably the last two years or year and a half mm-hmm. and with dandelion root it's currently at its strongest probably the last three months
2: mm-hmm. and you're consuming the burdock root in what way
9: in tincture form,
2: and the dandelion root in one way In what way.
9: In both tincture and
2: infusion form. Mhm. Ooh, one of those brave people who can drink dandelion root infusion.
4: Too bitter, <laughs> I love it. Too bitter for
2: me. Bless, blessed be on you. <laughs> um. Ask your body if that's the best form for you. dandelion often is most effective if it's taken at the beginning of a meal or directly before meals.
9: Yep, that's what I do.
2: Wonderful. So just, you know, really tune in and say, you know, uh, we have this wonderful alliance with these two roots, but I'm not really seeing um, that it's improving my liver's ability to deal with these hormones. Can you give me some further Mm -hmm. guidance? I'm not going to read it but the woman whose projects that I read today and that I just read that one project, project 22 talks about her relationship with the yellow doc
4: mm.
2: and how she was a little put off by yellow doc as it seemed a little fierce to her. And yet she really felt attracted to it and how she worked with the yellow doc. And then at first she took very small doses, but that as she really felt the yellow doc, um, becoming her, that she was able to use greater and greater doses with greater and greater benefit to her liver. And the four herbs of the Northeast that are considered the best liver herbs are burdock, dandelion, chicory, and yellow dock. Mm. So if the burdock and the dandelion are not getting you where you want to go, it may be Because they're too hot.
4: Interesting.
2: The chicory, although it seems to grow in the sun, has very shy flowers, and as soon as the sun shines on them, they fold up. And those Mm -hmm. flowers are purple, so it's considered a more cooling herb than dandelion, which loves the sun and has yellow flowers. Yeah. And the Mm -hmm. yellow dot, which likes to grow in... Dampish places is also considered more cooling than the burdock. The burdock is seen as grasping and pushing. I mean, if, if you envision a burdock, it is got these big leaves and these burrs that grab hold of you, rah, 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 whereas the yellow dock is more contained. Mm -hmm. So it may be that these cooler liver herbs would yield more benefit for you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so glad to talk to you. The other thing that I find useful when we're dealing with acne and outbreaks on the face is to spray the face with yarrow tincture just before going to sleep, and let it dry on the face. Don't wash it off.
9: I have experimented with yarrow tincture on my face, yes. It has not made any visual shift. I also tend to have drier skin, so it's not like there's something that needs to be dried, at least that I can feel. So it hasn't...
2: Yarrow was not drying anything. It's antibacterial. Okay. It's not to dry. As a matter of fact, I find it moistened. Mm. and use it in places where I want to moisten but where I want to kill bacteria on the skin surface itself you know let's take just one baby step forward and that is that there's some there's some part of you that needs to be connected with and it reminds me somewhat of a, a situation that my young daughter and I would go through several times I would be busy working as a single mom and she would say Susan, Susan, I told her not to call me mommy because every woman would answer and if she called me Susan only half the women would answer which she <laughs> didn't but I did and, <laughs> and so she'd say Susan, <laughs> Susan and I would say I'm busy And, you know, a few minutes would pass and she would say, Susan, Susan. And I would say, I'm busy. And a few minutes would pass and she would say, Susan. And I'd say, leave me alone, I'm busy. And, you know, before I knew it, my daughter was on the floor having a tantrum. And I would say, what the is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Well, what was wrong with her?
9: She needed attention.
2: I was ignoring her. And the only way she could get my attention was to scream at me. When there's a problem that's screaming at me and the remedies I'm trying are not working, then I understand there's something I need to pay attention to.
10: Yeah. Yeah.
9: That makes sense. Thank you.
2: As I said, it's just a baby step, but it's a baby step on perhaps a new path for you. Thank you so much for sharing with us.
4: Thank you so much.
2: Green blessings. Good night.
9: Green blessings.
2: So we got what, about 15, 16 minutes? How many more callers? How many more questions? We've got
3: four callers that queued up.
2: All right. So let's see the what next, we
3: can do. Okay. The next caller is coming from the 209 area code.
2: Hello. 209, do you read? Let's go into the next caller, Rebecca.
3: Yeah, the next caller is coming from the 318 area code. Hello.
2: Hi. What's up tonight? Hi,
10: Hi Susan. Um, I was told by a friend of mine to call and get information from you that you would be able to help me, hopefully. I had back surgery on May 19th, and they did an abdominal um, access to my back, and now I have an open wound with a wound back that isn't healing. And I was wondering if you had some advice or information that you could share.
2: Mm. Well... You may or may not know that I also have a very big gaping wound from my recent surgery done on May 13th. Oh, my. Where they removed my my rectum, my coccyx, and half my sacrum.
10: Oh, my.
2: So it is a big wound. So far, I have resisted the vacuum. And what I am doing is I am taking echinacea, root tincture. I'm taking a pretty large dose. I'm taking four dropperfuls, which is 100 drops, every two to four hours. Right, every four hours when I'm sleeping, as I wake up at about the four-hour mark and take some. And every two okay. or three hours when I'm awake, as I remember. And we are packing the wound with gauze, which we saturate in yellow tincture.
9: In urine?
2: YA. R R O W Yero. The botanical, Yarrow, name is, okay. botanical name is Achillea millifolium. Now, we make our tinctures with vodka. If it was made with grain alcohol, it would probably burn and sting like crazy. But because it's made with vodka, as I just said, it's moistening. euro it, has been shown to kill hundreds of different bacteria, especially bacteria that live in rooms. In addition, I'm drinking nourishing herbal infusions on a daily basis, with a special emphasis on comfrey, which builds granulation tissue very rapidly.
10: Okay.
2: Now, all of those things will definitely help you in whatever way you use them.
10: Okay. Well, I will definitely there's, there's get another on that.
2: Thing, another thing that I'm doing, and it may or may not be useful to you, and that is that I know of myself. And I'm extremely sensitive to images and visions and that once I see something, it is very, very hard for me to unsee it. And so I have steadfastly refused to look at this wound, pictures of it, or even listen to descriptions of it.
10: I have already seen it. It's on my abdomen. They wanted me to pack it, and I was going to try, and it was beyond me
2: to do that. I understand. Do you have a friend or a loved one who could do that?
10: Yes, I do.
2: Yeah. That it's a good time to reach out for help. And what I would do if I were in that situation um, would be that I would, every time I thought of it, I would get out my erasers and I would get out my, my drawing things and I would start drawing that healed.
10: Okay, I will do every that. That's a
2: good idea. That's what my mind does. My mind just replaces the image. And it's like, ah, ah, eek, eek.
10: Right. I understand what you're saying, and that's a very good idea. I can do that, too. Yeah. But um, So the it, herbal it, infusion, you said comfrey,
2: and what, comfrey make and that really, with it, vodka? No. And nourishing herbal infusion is made with water. I take it you're okay, not doing nourishing herbal infusions right now.
10: I drink um, um, stinging nettle.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And how do you make that stinging nettle that you drink?
10: I take um, an ounce of the stinging nettle and I pour really hot water over it and let it cool down on the counter and then I put it in the refrigerator and the next day I drink a cup and then I have a cup for the next day.
2: Okay. One ounce of herb is the perfect amount. The water needs to be boiling, not really hot. It needs to be boiling, full out boil. Okay. Are you using a quart of water? Yes, ma'am. Four cups of water. And you're letting it steep for how long?
10: I let it steep on the counter until it cools down and then I put it in the refrigerator it needs,
2: overnight. It needs to sit on the counter for at least four hours. Better to let it sit on the counter than refrigerate it overnight. Okay. Unless you live someplace where it's really super hot. And then find a cool place, but don't refrigerate it until it's set up for four to ten hours. Then, four to ten hours. Yeah, then before you refrigerate it, strain the plant material out of it.
10: Okay.
5: Oh, my, goal do that. Is,
2: my goal is to drink the entire quart in one day. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> well, what else are you drinking? Water? No water, no! No? <laughs> no water, ever. Every cell in your body is protected by a lipid layer. How do fats and water get along?
10: I, they don't get along very well.
2: The more water you drink, the more, I... the more dehydrated you get.
10: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: No water, absolutely not. Okay. What else do you drink?
10: I drink tea.
2: I drink coffee. Tea and, tea and coffee. That's fine. Uh, if you want to have one uh, cup of, uh, if you want to have one cup of coffee or tea in addition to your cortisone herbal infusion, no problem with that. Okay. But the infusion is your main beverage.
10: Okay.
2: It's in the refrigerator yeah, can you can add honey to it. You can add lemon to it. You can add. Whiskey to it. You can add anything you want to your infusion. Okay. The goal is to drink it. Okay. And I love mine over ice in the summer. Actually, I love mine over ice all the time. I drink it iced in the winter too. So keep wow. on with the nettle. Nettle is wonderful. But do nettle one day, or for two days if you can only do two cups today. I'd rather see you do four, and alternate with comfrey leaf.
10: All right, I'll do that.
2: Because Comfrey causes granulation granulation cells to grow. And that's what you want. You want that room to heal from the bottom. This is what I want, is my wound to heal from the bottom and granulation cells to fill in there. Or as the nurse said, what you want is pulpy red blood rich tissue. Right. So that's okay. what the notion is are gonna get you. Water will never get you that tea will never get you that. Okay. Alright.
10: So only one cup of tea or water.
2: No water. Oh, one
10: cup of tea or coffee.
2: One cup of tea or coffee, yes.
10: Okay, got it.
2: Right, and then a quart of nourishing herbal infusion. Okay. Right. I and will
10: increase the amount then and get on with yeah, because I that want this little to heal. Bit
2: longer. And echinacea is a wonderful ally. And okay. I you know, to prevent infection I use yarrow directly on the wound. Okay. Okay? And I hear you that the vacuum isn't working, and I think um, that having someone help you out with this um, is going to be a step in the right direction for you. Okay. Also, if you were listening listening before when I read the letter uh, that uh, was written by my correspondence, student, who said that her her Body Her corpus was very upset with her that she allowed it to be hurt in that way. Hey, I know my body. My body says, I can't believe you. You let people cut us. You let people poison us. You let people steal from us. You let people burn us. You let people sew us up. How dare you? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And and so I have to beg forgiveness of my own body because I did indeed do those things.
10: I did do what I did to my body too, and I really regret it. And I do owe my do body an
2: apology. Not regret it. No regret. <laughs> regret is not healing. Just tell your body. Well, I do feel. I am sorry. I do
10: feel bad though because I I did do the things that I did trying to heal it from injuries that I had uh, sustained from falling. And um, now I feel that I owe my body an apology. I owe it some they hell.
2: It's bad to ask for forgiveness. Blame shame right, and guilt. Right, I will. Emotion. Forgiveness is a healing emotion, but not blame shame and guilt. So kick blame shame and guilt into the corner and just approach your body with the openness of your heart and say, please forgive me. And what I'm telling my body is, please forgive me, because you know what, gang, the alternative was that we would be buried and dead.
10: That's true. That's very true.
2: I got clear margins. There were no it was no lymph node involvement. Yes. I allowed mean things to be done to my body, but body, believe me, without that, it would be end again.
1: Yeah, that's that's
2: out. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not guilty. I'm not second guessing myself. I did what I did. And I'm
4: asking business. Uh huh.
10: Well, I used to be in the medical field, and I thought that I could trust health professionals, and I'm second guessing that now because I feel like I have gotten where I am with my body by trusting people that maybe I shouldn't have. I should have just gone ahead and did the herbal things like I wanted to do to start with, but pressure from people, and you do things that you don't necessarily feel it's best.
2: And again, no matter the object report, I'm 22, that woman was talking about that. Excuse me, let me be with my story. Stop bringing your fear and worries here. For three years, for three years, only my closest, closest, deepest bosom buddies knew what was going on with me because I didn't want other people's fear.
10: I'm learning that too. I am. It's a lesson hard learned but I I think I've learned it finally because of where I am now.
2: So no guilt, no blame, no shame. We do what we do when we do it and we simply become more whole. We expand into that because blame and shame and guilt don't get you to forgiveness. Right. Forgive yourself. Let it be what you did. You made the choice you made. Buyer's remorse is very real. Once we make a decision, we can have remorse about that decision, but it doesn't mean we made the wrong decision.
10: That's true. That's very true.
2: You are going to become greater, wholer, much more compassionate and loving because of this experience. Allow that to flower in you.
10: Well, thank you.
2: You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night.
10: Green blessings. Good night.
2: Okay, if somebody has a really short question or more to the point, a really short answer, Susan, we can fit in one more before we get to talk with our guest. Tonight Who is Jenny Braxton Sexuality Empowerment Coach
3: Alright The next caller is coming from the 516
8: Area Code Susan It's Casey. Casey,
2: hi how can I help you tonight
8: Oh just wanted to give you an update uh, Did went, go to the doctor uh, It's Seborrheic keratosis It's not and melanoma or skin cancer, uh, she said, oh, I'm happy to do a biopsy, but your hair won't grow back there, but it's completely up to you. Um, so I said, okay, hey. So the black know.
2: spot on top of your head is non-lethal? Um, Correct. And it is, is uh, basically Florida getting its revenge on you.
8: Yeah, so I've just got some, uh, some um, Hypericum salve. So every morning after I take a shower, now I just dab a little bit on that spot in particular, and I take care not to leave my head out in the sun. So um, that's where yeah. I'm going. You are going great, guns, KC. I love you. And so. I'm going to and I'm planting my celandine seeds. <laughs> okay, let's see if we can make it
2: down there in a hot, dry Florida.
8: <laughs> Inside, okay, darling, love you much. <laughs>
2: Love you a good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Casey apprenticed and she lived up here in Long Island. And she moved down to Florida to be with her mom in the last years of her mom's life, and she stayed on in Florida. That Florida sunshine is just burning the hole in the top of her head. So when we last talked, I suggest that she, you know, really check it out and make sure that it, that it wasn't going to kill her. And so she has gotten the all clear that she can safely use her, her hat and her Hyperica ointment. And I am so happy to welcome Jenny Braxton to the show. Jenny Braxton is a sexuality empowerment coach. She helps women connect with their innate pleasure and power by reclaiming P-U-S-S-Y. She wants women to create the lives they desire in alignment with their true selves. The personal empowerment that Jenny experienced through the reclamation of her PUSSY was unprecedented, and she wants every woman to know the pleasure and power that are held within every woman's own body. While Jenny had long been connecting with the beauty and divinity of her her female being, it wasn't until PUSSY entered her life that Jenny truly was able to embody that beauty and divinity. P-U-S-S-Y allowed her to take the beautiful, ephemeral nature of her female power and ground it down into her physical form. Jenny's connection to P-U-S-S-Y allowed her to see all her challenges in a new way. Now, P-U-S-S-Y became the medicine that Jenny needed to not only ease her struggles, but to step fully into the woman that she was meant to be and that she is today. Welcome to the show, Jenny Braxton.
3: I'm not seeing her phone number on here, so I'm just going to go ahead and dial her up. Okay. reached Jenny, Anthony, Jai, Grace, and Xavier and the One Love Farm. You can leave us a message, but honestly, we don't check our messages very much. So it'd be better if you just called us back. Have a great day. Bye.
1: At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press pound for further options.
2: Well, Jenny, we're not going to call back. In fact, what would be better is if you called us at the agreed upon time. But you're not calling us. You know what? I'm going to see if I can channel you tonight. Take care. Green blessings. Right. All right, if because I have questions. and you're
3: using a phone number. Will you please press 1 so I can find you in the queue?
2: Ah, that's a good idea. Jenny, Jenny, are you there?
3: Um, It doesn't look like it, so...
2: All right, Hmm. so question number one from Jenny Braxton. Why do you use the word pussy? Now, what would Jenny tell us about the word pussy? Why does she use the word pussy? Well, it's a lot more socially acceptable than C-U-N-T, although C-U-N-T is far more powerful. So we're getting a little soft, and pussies are soft. A pussy is a name for a cat. We talk about pussy cats. And this gives us a kind of idea of petting and softness and, and a way to connect with our own sexuality that perhaps isn't quite as fierce as C-U-N-D. And um, so I'm saying um, that if I were channeling Jenny, that I would say I use the word pussy because I want women to feel soft and invited in And I don't want them to feel threatened, as women's sexuality can threaten women fairly easily. Question number two. Jenny, please tell us what pussy-centered living means. Now, let's see. First, I'm going to answer Susan. Because when I was writing down there, somebody sent me a wonderful card, and I kept it. Front and center, as I was writing, especially the part about the um, yoni, the vulva, the labia, the vagina, the clitoris, and it said, Live as though you have diamonds between your legs. Yes! Live as though what is between my legs is not a gape, a wound. And ugliness, we've all heard these terms. What does vagina mean? It means the sheath of the sword. Not really very nice. So when we come into pussy-centered living, I think Jenny would tell us, then we come into that glory of what lies between our legs instead of hiding it, instead of being concerned that it might smell or look ugly. We value it. In, I talked earlier about the uh, Woodstock Women's Center, and one of the uh, women who was involved in that collective was a photographer, and she decided she was going to do a C.U.N.T. show, and she asked all the women on the collective if they would pose for her and let her take pictures of their C.U.N.T. and we did. And Mary Daly. Um, of course, was working quite actively then with um, Sex for One and having women draw their pussies and reveling in all of the different ways that our labia can be and, and that our external genitalia can be and the way our clitorises are. What a tremendous variety, just like breasts. And my daughter, who was six or seven at the time, felt left out because she saw this photographing going on and, and you know heard what was going on and she said well i want a picture of my too. if we're talking to jenny it would be pussy i want a picture of my pussy too and the photographer asked my permission and i said it's what she wants I don't think that we're doing anything wrong if she's asking for it. Nobody brought this idea up to her or even asked her if she wanted to be. She brought it up herself, so let's go with her. And so she, being a you know, fine art photographer, made these beautiful blow-ups, matted, framed, gorgeous, and we had this exhibit of them along with my da- daughter's yoni. And I was a little flabbergasted not to mention worried, at how many women, as they walked along looking at these pictures on the wall, came to the picture of my daughter and said, that's how I want mine to look. Wow. Yeah. Pussy-centered living means, yeah, it's got hair and it's got color and it gets wet and things happen there. And it's not just a quiet little pussycat. And we're with that. We're walking with that. We're living with that. We're not making it hide. We're not pushing it under the table. We're really saying, I'm living a pussy-centered life. Just like Zara who called up and said, well, I'm picking Hypericum. You know what? The bees are coming here. This is a sexual event. I'm in a sexual relationship with Ibericum. Wow! What a nice orgasm. That's pussy-centered living. That you're aware of it. I often cite the rather weird study that was done in which they took straight men, straight women, gay men and gay women and showed them clips of actual sexual encounters, you could call it, erotica, you could call it pornography, depending on which side of that fence you stand on. They didn't just show them these images, they wired them. So they could tell how much blood flow was going to their genitals, they could tell what their heart rate was, they could tell what their breathing was, and they were looking at their brains and seeing what areas were lit up in their brains. And they had to, after seeing these images, these video clips, they had to say what their response was. They had to write down what their response was.
3: Hey, Susan, can I just say that there's somebody that called in from her area code, and I wanted to see if she Okay, great. Let's see if
2: we can have the real Jenny and not just me channeling her.
3: Is that you in the 541, Jenny? No, I suppose not. Okay, go ahead. Oh,
2: good try, though. I'm so glad. Okay. Hey, Jenny, if you're out there, dial 1, press 1, come on in here. I'm doing my best for you, but we'd really rather have you. So there was a, like a little survey, right? You saw, you saw images of heterosexual sex. How did you respond to that? You saw images of gay men having sex. How did you respond to that? You saw images of women having sex. How did you respond to that? The straight men said, I responded to it with great vigor. I really liked it. That was great. That turned me on about all of the images. The gay men said, you know, the heterosexual stuff, that's, you know, who cares? The gay men, that was great. Lesbians, eh, it's okay. The women, both straight women and the lesbian women said, that was awful. None of that turned me on. I don't like that at all. Okay. Here's the tagline. The... Men were by and large right. What they reported as how they experienced those images was what their bodies were experiencing. They were in touch with their bodies. When they said, yeah, this turned me on, their bodies were actually turned on. Their brains, their breathing, their heart, they were in, blood was flowing to their sexual organs. That's what was happening. All of the women, both straight women and lesbian women, were, in fact, quite turned on by their body's responses to these images, but that what they reported was didn't like it, don't want to see it. So what is our take-home point? That most women, whether they are lesbian or straight, don't really pay attention to what's going on. So they're not living a pussy-centered life. Because if they were living a pussy-centered life, they would have said, Well, you know, I feel really offended by these images, but my pussy loves it. Your pussy's not always going to agree with your mind. Your mind has been exposed to a lot of things that are sex negative, let's face it. Whereas your pussy's very sex positive, unless it's too thwarted by your mind. So that's my channeling of Jenny Braxton's answer to her second question. What is pussy-centered living? How can a woman reclaim her life by reclaiming her pussy? Mm. Well, if we're living a pussy-centered life, then reclaiming our pussy is reclaiming our life, isn't it? And we talked earlier with one of the callers, um, Monique, about how women get disconnected that way. No blame, no shame, no guilt. We're not to blame if we're disconnected from a pussy-centered life. That's what our culture wants. Our culture's terrified of that. We're given images of the vestal virgins, and we think virgin, that means not sexual. But if you actually look in the dictionary of the definition of virgin, it, the first definition is untouched by man, as in virgin forest. So a virgin is not sexually inexperienced but she is not touched by men's ways of viewing her. And in uh, the current culture that most women are living in, men basically are going to view women as a slut or a goddess. And the slut is worthless, and the goddess is not sexual. Mary Day And a famous credo said, we will none of us be free until we can all reclaim that we are bitches, witches, dykes, and sluts. When we reclaim the fact that each one of us is a bitch, each one of us is a witch, each one of us is a dyke, and each one of us is a slut, then we stop blaming and shaming each other because it's not just men women blame and shame each other about their sexuality, too. And one of the greatest gifts of Annie Sprinkle's sacred sex workshops that Marie, and, Marie Summerwood and I then carried on was to see women openly embracing their sexuality, playing with it, laughing with it, in concert with the other women, finally, at last, being
4: at ease
2: one very well-attended workshop. We were both upstairs and downstairs in the studio. And upstairs in the studio was a thin floor on small studs. And we were doing a breathing exercise and pounding our heels against the floor, pound, 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 pound. And I went to Marie afterwards and I said, Marie, that was some pounding you were doing with your heels. It made me come at least twice. Now, Marie and I were never actually lovers. We never never were, you know, that inclined toward each other. But we shared a wonderful lover named Fern. And Fern, the nerve of her, um, got cervical cancer while I was writing down there. I said to her, you know, there's only 3,000 women a year who die in the United States of cervical cancer. How on earth are you choosing to be one of them? It's beyond me. And she just laughed at me. Marie was there tending to her. They were very, very close at that time. As a matter of fact, I had made them promise. Fern and I had been lovers for about 31 years at that point. And I made them promise if they were going to get married, that they let me be the the one who did the marriage, because I love them both so much. And Fern, really, just a few days before she died, and I was there visiting, was able to get away. And Marie was there. She looked at me, and she looked at Marie, and she said, you know, I have two wonderful Hitachi Magic Wand vibrators, and I'd like each one of you to have one of them but you have to earn them. And Maria and I were really happy because these are the best vibrators ever. And we said, what do we have to do? She said, well, you have to each have an orgasm with these vibrators. We said, well, that's fine. And she said, no, together. And we like looked at each other, and we're like, uh, well, no, Fern, we don't, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. you know, except for that one orgasm, two orgasms that Marie gave me, pounding her heels on the floor, which was really shaking, 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 you know, Marie and I just hadn't gone there, and we were, we were embarrassed, we were like, put on the spot, like, Fern, what are you asking us, come on, so we finally parlayed, and worked, and talked it out, and we put Fern on the bed, we took her out of her hospital bed, and we put her on her beautiful bed with a Zena, the warrior princess, in more than life-size cutout right at the foot of the bed where she could see her. And I laid on the floor on one side of the bed, and Marie laid on the floor on the other side of the bed and fulfilled Fern's wishes that so we each have an orgasm with her magic wand vibrator. And then <laughs> we both made sure that she had at least a few orgasms, too. And that's how women reclaim their lives, by reclaiming their pussies. Jenny Braxton. Why do women even need to reclaim their lives in the first place? What's with that? Don't they already have lives? Well, I don't think that I need to channel Jenny there. I think you can channel Jenny there, huh? How would you answer that question? Why do you need to reclaim your life? Are you living your true life? Are you living the life that you're envisioning for yourself? We've heard from a woman this evening who had remorse. She said, I wish I'd listened to myself. Instead, I let myself be cast about on the waves of other people's fear and anxiety. No blame, no shame, no guilt. That is the way that our culture goes. We are supposed to play, pay attention to other people's fear to other people's anxiety, and to live our lives according to their fear and anxiety. And that leaves us in need of reclaiming ourselves. It's not an instant process. You don't wake up one morning and go, I've reclaimed myself. No, you have to put Xena the warrior princess at the foot of your bed and wake up every morning and go, Today I'm Xena. Or today I'm Wonder Woman. Or today I'm the Statue of Liberty. Whoever your goddess is, whoever your icon is, whoever you want to grow up to be, I call these women butterflies. And I have a collection of butterfly photographs on my bathroom wall because I go to the bathroom several times a day. One of them is a woman who, at 93, has done something she always wanted to do, jump out of an airplane with a parachute. Holy magolies. Another one is a woman who, at 86, has just won the Women's Powerlifting Championship. The woman is almost as broad as she is tall, and she has just lifted a huge amount of weight at 86 years old, and I think, you go, girl, yeah. Another is a really pretty picture of about a dozen women over 70, and they are dressed up with boots with tassels and little skirts with fringe and bolero tops, and they are doing acrobatics together like cheerleaders. Wow. That's the kind of woman I want to grow up to be. And I need to reclaim that in my life. So I keep those images close to me. There's also a picture of my Aunt Yolanda, one of my favorite aunts. My mom had four sisters. And Aunt Yolanda and I were very, very close. Aunt Yolanda was a salmon fisherman. She moved to Seattle because of the salmon, but soon there weren't enough salmon in Seattle to fish. And so she had to go to Alaska each summer to fish. And this is a photograph of her in her waist-high wader's. And she's in a cold Alaska stream right up to her pussy and holding up a big salmon. And she has got a salmon-eating grin on her face, and she's leading a pussy-centered life. Why do you need to reclaim yourself? Why does any woman need to reclaim herself? Jenny Braxton, are you seriously telling me that it's okay to follow my pleasure? Come on. I can't do that no way, you know, pleasure, that's not, pleasure is not to be trusted, no pain, no gain, you know, aha, but no pain, no gain is the heroic way, the pussy-centered way is no pleasure, no treasure, women are innately caring, all right, the next question is, isn't it selfish to focus on pleasure, no, it's not selfish to focus on pleasure, I saw a wonderful sign that says, when mom's happy, everybody's happy, And it sure is true, isn't it? When mom is happy, everybody is happy. So mom, be happy. Mom, follow your pleasure. Yes, of course you have been conditioned to believe that following your pleasure and getting for yourself is somehow to deny everybody else who needs. But let's live a pussy-centered life and say, guess what? My pleasure is going to make you really happy, so let's focus on my pleasure. And then everybody's going to be happier. Because when pussy is happy, mom is happy, and when mom is happy... Everybody else is happy. It really does work that way. Once we are willing to reclaim that, once we are willing to reclaim that we deserve that pleasure, that we deserve to have that orgasm by putting our feet on the earth and reaching out and harvesting hypericum flowers. Once we really let ourselves say, of course, I am part of this glorious thing called life life emanates from my body from between my legs every single human being that has been born has been born from a pussy from between a woman's legs wow that's impressive I'm impressed I'm impressed enough to make that something that's really important to me and to get my mind more in touch with the pleasure that my pussy already understands and innately receives, even if my mind is going, tsk, tisk tisk, because the pussy is going, yeah, 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 yeah. Jenny Braxton can be found at J-E-N-N-Y. B-R-A-X-T-O-N, at rocketmail.com. So if you want to know how Jenny herself would actually answer these questions, I bet if you email her at jennybraxton at rocketmail.com or go to www.jennybraxton.com that you will be able to connect directly with Jenny even though we do not have her on the phone tonight. Oh, alas, Jenny. What is one specific tool that you will share with us, Jenny, about getting started? Well, you know, I think I'm going to fail here because I just really don't know what tools Jenny herself would use. And her bio is a little sparse in terms of uh, anything other than Pussy and Pleasure, which isn't itself sparse at all. Just tools I would have to kind of guess. So instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you one of our favorite tools from the Sacred Sex Workshops. And I mentioned that for a decade Annie Sprinkle came to the Wise Woman Center and that we had workshops called sacred sex workshops or sometimes Sluts and goddesses. And the finale of this would be an entire evening of Tantra. And we would take every sheet we had and we would cover the studio. I mentioned the studio before. Maria and I were upstairs in the studio. She was pounding her heels on the thin floor. But this was the downstairs of the studio. And we would put out cushions and low couches and beds and they would all be completely covered in sheets and women would come in and would disrobe they were invited to come in a robe so that they could easily take it off and those robes were put in a safe place usually upstairs why did we want everything to be covered in sheets why did we want the robes put in a safe place because once everybody had disrobed and once annie taught them some tantric exercises then marie and i would come in Naked, of course, with hot fudge, whipped cream, and juicy fruits. And the only no-no was you couldn't use your hands, and you couldn't eat it yourself. Which, of course, as you can well imagine, or perhaps not imagine, but I don't have to imagine because I was there caused women to fling whipped cream, hot fudge, and fruit at each other and then lick it off of each other's bodies and offering that fruit to other women. It was indeed a great mess. And so we protected everything from the mess. But we had a glorious mess and a pleasurable mess. Now, it's not a tool that you could necessarily do on your own. But if you were really exploring a pussy-centered life. Maybe, as the COVID days perhaps come to an end sometime, you can invite a trusted friend or two over, cover everything in a room with sheets, and get out that hot fudge, that whipped cream, and some delicious, juicy fruit, and see if that isn't a tool to finding something special there. Well, Jenny, it has really been a pleasure channeling you here tonight. And um, the very last question is, how can a woman take this work further? And so let me say again that you can find J-E-N-N-Y, B-R-A-X-T-O-N, at www.jennybraxton.com. You can email her at jennybraxton at rocketmail.com, and um, maybe I will someday hear from her, and she will say, oh, my God, you know, I never would have said any of that. I can't believe you did. Or maybe she will say, wow, Susan, that was great. You really, really felt me, and you really, like, carried the, not just the heart but the pussy of what I wanted to convey. You know, my favorite introduction ever, 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 and I've been introduced a great many times, It was by Rosemary Gladstar and an international herb symposium. And she had introduced quite a few other people. She was introducing all the teachers. And she said, you know, I have introduced people who are brilliant, and they really speak to you from the brilliance of their intellect and their minds and their great capacity for understanding. And Susan definitely has that quality. She says, and I've introduced people who really speak from their hearts. They speak from their their loving kindness, their compassion, and their deep, heartfelt understanding of herbs and life. And Susan really has that that quality as well. She speaks from her heart. She says, but I have never introduced anyone else who speaks from her womb. And perhaps what Rosemary might have said, if it was a, a slightly different place, was who speaks from her pussy. Certainly that's what we would say of Jenny, that Jenny has spoken to us tonight. From her pussy. And we thank you Jenny. For talking to us about the pussy centered life. For being willing. To find your pleasure. To speak of your pleasure. To claim your pleasure. And to stand up and say. To all of us. Come on girls. Let's play. Let's live a pussy centered life. Let's acknowledge our pleasure. Because when we do. Everything is different. And that's how we reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Thank you so much, Jenny Braxton, for appearing here through my voice. Thank you, Rebecca, for being here to moderate this show in the midst of turmoil in your life. And thank you, Susan, good work, for going through what you're going through. One of my friends said, it's time for you to be idle, Susan. And I said, listen, girlfriend, I didn't go through all this trauma to be idle. I went through all this trauma to be out here, to be talking and teaching and writing and being a woman who lives a pussy-centered life. Green mm-hmm. blessings to everybody. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Good night.
3: Thank you,
4: Susan. Have a great night. Good night, everyone.